we're going to do a little transition. Man, that was powerful. If you guys want to quote Danny, um, instead of banning to win Banning's book, I'm going to allow it, okay? That was so fire that you could tag Danny and win Banning's book, okay? Just follow the rules. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Pursuit NYC, and the uh, conference one. And uh, make sure you tag us in the story. Uh, that way we could actually see who's posting it and whatnot. But uh, come on, put some fire emojis in the comments. Uh, we're going to do something a little different, uh, but something that we have been doing, um, I guess, ever since quarantine happened, which is a little thing we like to call the Leadership Roundtable. Um, you can find it on our YouTube, but maybe we could just go around and just uh, introduce ourselves so that you, in case this is if your first time seeing us or whatnot, you'll know who we are. So let's start this way. Hey guys, my name is Josh. Um, I'm part of the leadership team here, and my main responsibility is just directing and leading the healing rooms that we host um, once a quarter every other month. Hey guys, my name is Kevin, and on the leadership team, I lead the HNF team. That's the hands and feet team. Um, that's the volunteer team. If you guys want to join, we'll send a link out for you guys. <laughs> just a plug right there. Uh, my name is Sam. I'm one of the leaders here. I'm the uh, chief uh, graphic designer <laughs> of the team, and uh, I'm on the leadership team. What's going on, y'all? My name is Danny, and I am the <laughs> I'm the cheerleader. I'm the hype man of this ministry. Awesome. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about in light of prayer is how do we pray for prophetic words and promises that we've received? Uh, because I would say one of the things that has really uh, marked our lives personally and as a ministry are promises and words that we've received from the Lord through people, obviously, or, or through the word, or maybe in our own prayer time. But those are the things that has uh, kept us going in moments we wanted to quit. So um, for you guys, what, what, how has the prophetic and promises and uh, dreams and things like that helped your faith? Um, for me, I think prophetic words are so important in our journeys, in my personal journey, because I think more than prophetic words giving a glimpse of what God wants to do through you, I think it reveals who God sees you as. And I think Chris Valentin was the one who said it, where he says that he loves to hear prophetic words of other people because that gives an insight into how God views that person. And so for me, when I receive prophetic words and, you know, people are prophesying over my life, um, it encourages me to know, oh man, that's what God is calling to do. That's who God is calling me to be. Um, and I just get a bigger vision than living my own life. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but yeah, for me, that's, that's the most encouraging thing. Yeah, I think for me, one of the reasons why I love the prophetic, that was a question, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once again, you could quote Danny's book, so you could do whatever you want. One of the reasons why I love the prophetic in my journey is actually because, uh, for me, the prophetic is what really connected me to the heart of the Father. Very similar to what Josh said, but very personal to me. I always had an understanding of God through the Word, but it was actually through the prophetic when people prayed over me and they shared what God was sensing to me directly that I, for the first time, I really felt like I knew it in the heart. And so the prophetic helped me along the way, more so than guiding me towards a specific direction. I felt like along the journey, it confirmed that I was on the right path, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Yo, Kevin, when was an experience you had 
when I'm putting him on the spot. So if he's sweating, it's the lights, okay? Um, when was an experience you had when you got a prophetic word that blew you away? Because you're like, this is how God sees me. I don't even see myself like this. What, give, tell us a moment like that. Um, there was actually a moment when a Felipe, he, he came over to... Shout out Brazil. I forget, <laughs> I forget which uh, gathering it was, but I remember I didn't get a word from, you know, from the event exactly, but then I was waiting in the parking lot and we we're just hanging out. And then I think you were like, yo, Felipe, like, can you give you know, my boy a word? So he was just, uh, just praying over me. And I think there's some key things that I get um, or that I've gotten since then. But I think he was one of the first to say that uh, I'm going to be like a writer for a book. Um, and he said to keep writing my revelations down because there's like wisdom there. Wow. And um, yeah, I think wisdom is like a word that I keep constantly getting. And it's crazy because during that year, I started to actually write my revelations down before he told me to do that. Wow. So I think it's just God confirming once again, like um, you keep writing your revelations down. There was, there's wisdom there. And, you know, I'm going to do something with it. Um, you're going to later write a book. I could barely read a book right now. <laughs> but I'm just believing for it. I'm praying for it. So, yeah. Come on. So Pursuit Con 2025, we will give away Kevin's book, right? That's so too Pursuit soon. Con <laughs> 2025, this is not a prophetic word, though. But, um, but I think one of the things that we've all experienced is the prophetic has marked us. It's encouraged us. It's helped us. But yet, receiving it is the easy part right? Getting a word is the easy part. The hard part is receiving it and then wondering when is it going to happen, right? We see it throughout scripture. Uh, Abraham is told when he's 75, he's going to be, be a father, but he has to wait till 100. Joseph has a dream when he's 17. He doesn't see it for uh, almost 20 years. David is called on and on. We see it throughout scripture. Um, so I know for myself, I've reached a point at some times where I was tired of receiving words. I just wanted to see one come to pass. Wow. Right? Like that, that's, that's being, being real. So what are some of the frustrations you guys have felt? Because I think that's part of uh, what encourages people. Because I'm sure people tuning in have received prophetic words. They've received crazy things. But yet we could get disillusioned. We could become jaded. We could get frustrated. But it's not unique to you. It's what we all face. So what are some of the frustrations maybe you guys have felt in that experience? Good question. <laughs> I think just that season of delay, it, I think within our generation specifically, it's like so countercultural, right? Like, it's like, we're so used to everything being fast. Um, if we're on 4G, we get frustrated. Um, if our Netflix is lagging, we get frustrated. Um, if, the Zoom is lagging. if the Zoom right now is lagging, you get frustrated. Um, and, I, and I think it's just the way God uses prophetic words in our life that there's a process to it. And, and I think that's just the most frustrating part for me because we're just so ingrained in our culture where we're taught that things will come about just like that. And just having the patience, um, I, think that's, I think that's frustrating. Another frustrating aspect for me is I feel like sometimes some of the promises that I get, they're like so far off in the journey that I don't know what to do to get there. And without that pieces, without those pieces, I like, I get frustrated just not knowing. So I don't know. Yeah, those are the two things that I get frustrated about when it comes to prophetic words or just promises in general. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> what Josh said pretty much. But I think uh, right now, I'm sure all of us are experiencing right now, but I'm sure that we're all kind of in the, 
in the thick of the, the, the hard parts. Because I think, yeah, we're so, we're so young and there's so many things, you know, promises ahead of us. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, am I stewarding this word or am I striving if I'm trying to do things, you know, towards it? Yeah. So I think it's that kind of tension that's there, just trying to abide in just what God wants us to do. But at the same time, uh, just wanting to move forward in the words that we already have received. So, no, that's good. I, I mean, I think when you say that, it reminds me that striving for a promise will always produce an Ishmael, but waiting on God to fulfill it will produce the Isaac. Right? If you want to quote me to win the giveaway, you can, all right? All right, we're, we're generous here at Pursuit, right? But I, I wanted to say that again, that striving or performing for a promise will always produce an Ishmael. Only waiting on God will produce the Isaac. And, and I think that's the hard part for us because I know, you know, I know every single one of you guys' promises. I know the promises over our ministry. But it's, it's that tension. But I think that tension is the test, right? How do you steward it? And obviously, we wanted to talk about this at our prayer conference because we believe the key to stewardship is prayer, right? Praying for the promise. What are some thoughts that come to your mind for that, Danny? I mean, I love that you said that, that if you're impatient and you take it upon your own hand, it produces Ishmael's. Because I think, I mean, I could speak for myself. I don't know about you guys, but there were many moments, especially when I started out on my journey, where because I got a word such as, oh, you're going to be a revivalist. I said, okay, that's for right now. So my next step is create a platform. Thank you, Instagram. Created Danny Kang International Ministries, D. Kim for short. And I was like, all right, this is it. So what I got to do, get my name out, X, Y, Z. And I realized ultimately what that did was it created Ishmael's. My character wasn't ready. I didn't have the anointing. I didn't have any authority. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm the only one that got disappointed. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think the key to stewardship, like you just said, is prayer. And when you pray, you are actually submitting yourself to God's timing. You're submitting yourself into God's understanding, God's uh, journey for you. And ultimately, you're letting him decide when that prophetic word will come to pass, as opposed to letting or making it come in your own timing, if that makes sense. Now, I really like what you said that, and it kind of reminds me of the boy with five fish and loaves of bread, right? That the ultimate way you steward the promises in your life is prayer, because prayer is ultimately surrendering things back to God, right? That in my own hand, five loaves and a couple of Five fishes and a couple of loaves can only feed, I don't know, 10 people at most. But if we pray and we surrender it back to God's hand, then we, we allow the promises to be entrusted in his hand, then he can multiply and do what the prophetic word is supposed to meant to do. And so I, I totally love what you said, Danny. I mean, I think when we talk about something like this, I think the thought that comes to my mind is that because it's secret prayer, no one actually knows who's praying. But here's the thing. The platform doesn't dictate whether you pray or not. Yeah. I mean, that's facts. Because we could think the person who has the most followers, who has the biggest platform, who has uh, the most gifting might be the one praying in secret. But the truth is, they might not be. But we'll only know based on the fruit. Yeah. And what we've known is people who've built things, but it, it dies quickly because there is no roots that were developed in prayer. So I want to say this. You know, we're all about breakthrough. I think we went to a retreat one time. We were talking about breakthrough, and the church judged our team, right? I mean, we love breakthrough. I mean, breakthrough is sexy, but the key to promises coming to pass is stewardship. Like, everyone wants the breaker's anointing. No one wants the anointing to steward things well for a long time, right? So Bill Johnson says this, 
The purpose of a promise is not to inspire us to strategize and make plans, but instead it works to make us desperate for God to show up. So in other words, God doesn't withhold from us. He, withhold, we, he withholds it for us in order to set up a, a desperation, a passion, a prayer life, a, a pursuit, right? After God, that becomes a lifestyle that can steward the promise after it comes. Because here's the thing about us as human beings. Once we get the blessing, we get satisfied unless we make prayer a lifestyle. Kevin, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, that reminds me of uh, Bill Johnson's quote too. I'm going to butcher it. Yeah. But I think quote it's- Kevin quoting Bill. <laughs> maybe you could win the giveaway. Double all right. Quote. But I think it's, a, um, it's, it's when hunger and uh, gratitude, if they don't go hand in hand, um, yeah, I think... Hunger without gratitude will make you frustrated, but then gratitude or like being satisfied without the hunger will make you complacent. And I think that's also the same kind of tension um, as we receive promises, prophetic words. Um, if we're not hungry for more, then, you know, we're just going to stay complacent. We're like, oh, this is it for us. You know, this, there's nothing else more that we can get. Um, but if we're um, hungry, but not giving thanks for what God is already doing in our lives, I think we just end up getting, getting frustrated. And we get mad at God, we get mad at people around us, and we don't move forward um, because of that. Wow. So good. As you were talking, I was reminded of something that I did want to bring up. I feel like, personally, I think prophetic words can actually be a distraction if not stewarded well. And so what I mean by that is prophetic words are ultimately to, to point you to Jesus. It's ultimately to point you to God. And I'm reminded of, when Jesus came, all of the prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to him. But there was only one group that wasn't able to fully see that. And it was the Pharisees, the religious folks. I think it's because they were so focused on the prophetic word that they missed out on God completely. So even when, I mean, I just love that Bill Johnson shared that. But I think uh, a part of the prophetic journey is, number one, realizing that the prophetic word is not for you. It's ultimately to point you back to him. And I think once you truly understand that is when the fun and the enjoyment and the journey actually begins. Yeah. No, I think, I think it has to point to God because I think many of the promises are impossible. I mean, they're promises and not necessarily directions, right? Because if it was something we could do on our own, then it would be a direction. But it's a promise because he's trying to do something through us. Um, I want us to do this right now. I want all of us to think about particular personal promise that we're believing for, right? And just because we want to share the process, right? We're all in journey together. It's not like we have it all figured out, but we're in process. We're learning. We're trying to pray. We're trying to do all the things we're talking about here. But just so that you understand our process, our journey, you know, what are some promises that you yourself are believing for? I, I could start right now, but... I think a promise that I received pretty recently um, was, you know, someone was praying over me and they were saying um, that I'm going to have the family that I want. And I think family has been just something really important, like in my life personally, just because I think even when I was younger, you know, all the kids were like, oh, I want to be a fireman. I want to be police. And I was like, oh, I just want to be a dad. So, <laughs> so I think family has been, yeah, <laughs> family has been something that's just been so, you know, near and dear to my heart just growing up. And I think 
you know, I'm engaged right now with uh, Anne Lee. Shout out to Anne Lee. <laughs> She's in the chats right now. Shout yourself in the chat. <laughs> but yeah, I can't believe I, I just gave my fiance a shout out. That's kind of weird. But Jesus, yeah, <laughs> but just to tie it all back, just to really back, um, there's been some difficulties, I think, just leading up to it, because I think we were planning for a marriage, and then that's when COVID hit, and I think just the whole pandemic, and it just kind of delayed a lot, and there's, you know, just a lot of things going on, and I think for me, it's pretty hard to believe for that promise right now, and I think the thing that helps me is when I hear that word again, that I'm going to have a family that I want. Um, because that allows me to surrender to God in prayer. That allows me to see things from a different perspective, from God's perspective, and see things from his timing versus me being frustrated about pandemic or, you know, any other things that are going on. And, and it actually helps me to honor those um, that are hard to honor right now. And so I, there's a lot more depth to it. That that's all the details I'm going to give. But I think the word has helped me a lot to process and to actually trust God more uh, throughout this time. I mean, I think for me, one of the biggest prophetic promises in my life was back in 2017, and I was in India, and this prophetic lady, um, yeah, she just she was the first one to prophesy over me, hey, I see a, like an international healing ministry coming out of your life. And I was just like, at that time, I was like, whoa, that's, that's crazy, you know, like, and, you know, and as much as I love that, and I'm like, oh, man, that's exactly how I want to be used by God. You know, in the process, there's so many bumps and roadblocks and frustrations because man i'm praying for people and people aren't getting healed people don't want to get prayed for um and all of that stuff but i think one thing that i'm reminded of that that helps me steward this prophetic promise is that um the prof every the prophetic word will come to pass with each small step of obedience wow. and so yeah i might not have an international healing ministry right now but what i can do is pray for that person that i see you know with the crutch or whatever, you know, and I can pray for that person and, and slowly see the breakthrough of God come through obedience in my life. And so I, I would say that obedience, I think it's a huge step in seeing prophetic promises break through in your life. Wow. I think one of the biggest prophetic promises in my life that I could think of is, and this is just to share openly, but it's that I will see revival in America. And I remember when I first heard it, I was so excited about it. I was like, yes, Lord, you're going to use me. I'm going to be the next William Seymour, name all those other revivalists, Billy Graham. But I realized along the way, this is, I mean, I love how we're sharing. And what we're saying is like the teaching moment behind it all, the, the humility moment behind it all. And for me, it came when I really felt in my heart when I was praying where God asked me, hey, son, is it okay? And would you be okay if, re if revival never came through you? And for me, I really had to wrestle with that because I'm like, God, but you call me to be a revivalist. You call me to be the next Billy Graham. And I felt that in my heart, and I actually had to get to a place through prayer. It was a long time, but where I had to say, even if revival never came through me, would I be okay with it? Would I still pray for it? Would I still wow. champion it? Okay. If it came through someone who I may not like, would I still believe in them? Would I still root for them? And so I think that's kind of what my journey has been like, too, with yeah. prophetic promises. No, that's so good. And once again, we're just sharing our own journey because we want to help people in your own journey, your own process in not just receiving words, because once again, that's the easy part, but how do I steward it? How do I hold on to it? How do I not get bitter? Uh, so for me, one of the promises that I've been holding on to is um, when I grew up in church, but I got saved when I was 17, but I also got called when I was 17. And it's been 
amount of years since I was 17. Um, but here's the thing. When, when I got called at 17, God told me that he wanted to use me in ministry. So at that time, I thought I was going to be a pastor full time. I thought I was going to have this and that and whatever. But here's the truth. I've never been in full-time ministry yet. And it's been a amount of years, you know? Almost half my life, I've, been, I've given my life to ministry. This is what I pursued. I, I went to seminary, but yet it's something that has never opened up for me. So if I could be honest, there were moments where I felt maybe I'm not called. Maybe I messed up. Maybe I sinned. Maybe, like, I'm not good. Whatever you might want to say, like, I dealt with lies and, and disappointment and discouragement. But that's just kind of where I am, where I still, even though we put on this conference and have done these things, I've never seen that promise yet, right? But I think that's the journey. It's, it's not yet, but I'm doing our part. We're still putting on a conference. We're still praying for revival. We're still uh, honoring those that are hard to honor. We're still praying for those who need to get healed, right? Sorry, Kevin, right? Um, pray for me. Yeah, pray for Kevin, right? Let's, come on, let's, okay, Jay, come, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so this is what I want to say. Many can receive a promise once again, but I want to say this, but few become the promise. And what I mean by, the, by that is this, right? If God promises to bring revival, here's the thing. We know God can do it without us. Like God can save the entire universe on his own. He could do a lot of things on his own, but yet he wants to do it through sons and daughters who are partnered and surrendered to him. So many can do it, uh, you know, receive it. Uh, God could do it without us, but yet he's looking for surrendered people who will be vessels. What are some things that come to mind when you think about vessels? I mean, there's that one famous quote by Catherine Coleman. God's not letting on the cross. We can't cut this out. We can't cut this out there. But God's not looking for golded vessels, golden vessels, silver vessels, but he's looking for yielded vessels. And I really love that quote because I think a part of it is saying, God, there is absolutely nothing I can bring but here's my life and use it however you want. And I think that's the first thing that popped up when you shared that. I mean, I just have something real quick, but I think vessels are the most useful uh, when they're empty. Mm. You know, when you need to store something, uh, you don't want to have something that's already filled. And I think that's the way that, for me, it ties into prayer. Because I think that's when you empty yourself, you surrender yourself, and then you allow yourself to be filled by God uh, and filled by his presence to do what God wants to do. I, I, Josh, I want you to speak on this. If you have anything on vessels, you can do it. But it's not just vessels, but I also think of the word sonship, yeah. right? Sons and daughters of a father. Josh, what does sonship look like in the process of promises and stewarding that? I think when it comes to stewarding promises, I think what I've come to realize is how much in the waiting, in the tension, my orphan mentality came to mind. Where all of a sudden, because God's not answering, because things aren't moving as fast, God must not like me. I must have done something wrong. I have to earn his grace and his favor for it to come to pass. But in the process, when sonship became the main thing about promises, a lot of those lies get renewed. And you start to believe, oh, God's not withholding this because he despises you. He's actually doing it for your own good so that you can be prepared to steward that promise when the promise does come to pass. Because God is such a good father and he's not going to allow a promise to come too early where it's going to break your back in order to steward it. And so I think as a son, 
um, man, it's just that journey of trusting God more and more of his timing of when the prophetic words will come to pass, how it will come to pass, um, just, just his day-to-day um, -day just journey with them. And so I think sonship is huge, um, that if you're doing it from an orphan mentality, that like, kind of like what we shared before, you're always going to be frustrated. You're always going to be, you know, trying to strive. Um, I think there's also another aspect of it because right now the direction we're talking from is like people who are like, yes, God, I want to see the promises, but why isn't it coming? But I think another aspect of orphan mentality is also, God, you can't use me. No, I'm too broken. I'm too messed up. I made too many mistakes in the past. And I think there's also that group of people as well. You might be tuning in and you might fit into more of this area. But I do want to say this. There is a Japanese phrase. I can't remember the name, but if you search it up, Something like that. If you search it up on Google and search up Japanese broken <laughs> vessel, but gold, <laughs> it's really interesting because I think in many ways, that's literally what God does. So for example, it's a vase that is broken and it's now cracked. But what they do in Japan is they actually cover it and they coat it with gold. So now that post broken vase is more worth or has more value is worth more than its previous value. And in many ways, I think that's what God does to people who say, God, you can't use me. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. When you submit to him, your value and your worth is so much greater. And he can do so much more through you when you surrender your life to him. Yeah. And, and I love it because I think part of how we steward promises then is choosing to reflect and think about God's goodness rather than what he isn't doing. Right? I mean, that's the enemy's first lie. Like, did God really say? He's holding out on you. He's holding back. He's not good. He's not trustworthy. He's not actually loving. But I think that's part of the process of steward, stewarding the promise. Because I want to say this. You only fully possess a promise when you're willing to pray for it. Right? Because you only have ownership of the promise, not when it comes to pass, but when you pay a price in seeking after God. Right? So what is, you know, some of the practical things you're doing to steward? Maybe it is thinking about the Father. You know, I'll let you guys answer. You know, maybe all of us can answer just one thing that we're doing to steward a promise in our own journey. Um, going on top of that, I, lo I love what you said because I think it is a journey. And I like to think of it like this. I think prophetic promises are like your calling in life, right? It's like the overarching theme of your life. But in order for God to get you there, it doesn't just go from A to B, but there's A, B, C, all the way to Z, right? And, and, and those in-between letters, they're like assignments. And so I like to think that the best way that I'm stewarding these prophetic promises is I'm just journeying with God literally as a son, hearing what God is speaking. What am I called to do in this moment? Yeah, I don't have a healing international ministry yet, but what can I do? What's my assignment in this very moment of this season? And, and how can I do that with excellence, with faithfulness so that, you know, to who God entrusts much, you know, much is, you know, expected, right? And so I want to be that person. And so um, I, I, I say you have to figure out what are the assignments in your life for this very season. Yeah, the Bible verse I'm reminded of, I'm going to butcher this as well, <laughs> sorry. But I think it's like Benjamin, like a ravenous wolf, uh, he hunts during the day and then he feasts at night. And I think just to kind of explain that a little, as we receive our promises, and as we know the direction that we're going, I think right now, as I'm young, you know, during the day, is when I need to put in the work for it. And I think there's a future self that's relying on my current self to put in the work right now. 
so the future self can actually experience uh, the promises and the blessings that God promised. And so I think uh, a huge part of that, obviously, is what Josh said. The journey is not going to be from A to B. So I think I'm holding on to the promises uh, in my hand, but it, loosely. So it doesn't have to look the way that I'm looking at it right now, but it could be the way that God wants to do it while I'm still remembering the promise. So it's all about journeying with God, uh, you know, throughout up to the promise. I think for me, just to be honest, is I either write it down, I have a recording, and then I forget about it. Honestly, I just forget about it, not because I want to, but because my mind can't remember it all. And so I end up forgetting about it until I realize, oh, wait, I think a prophetic word came to pass. And I say that because, once again, we're talking about journey, but I think the beauty of the journey is that more than the prophetic words, like I mentioned before, like we said before, it's about trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Father, and I think there's so much more beauty in that. So when I forget about the prophetic words, I'm no longer focused on that, more so than I'm focused on journeying with God. And I think there is... Like I said before, it's just so much more fun, so much less stressful, so much less striving in that journey too. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the practical things that I do is I do have a recording. I do have it written down, but I personally always keep revisiting them. Like if I'm doing well, I revisit it. If I'm struggling, I revisit it. I have it playing as I'm driving to work. Uh, I listen to it when I'm in the shower. I'm just, just trying to bathe myself and, and keep my heart soft before the Lord. And I think another way we do that is by giving thanks. And, and the key word is giving. Oftentimes, we wait to feel thankful to give it when the call isn't to feel thanks, but it's to give it. And I think that's what allows us to be ready and, and our heart soft to keep journeying with it and... Um, yeah, I, I want to share this one story of uh, one of the promises that we have received as a ministry is that there's a gathering anointing on pursuit, right? Like that's, we got it from a prophet. Um, it's on YouTube. You know, I shared it last year at our conference and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a gathering anointing. Pursuit is going to gather multicultural. Let's go. Come back home. We do our gathering, monthly gatherings, worship nights once a month. And everyone that was there, was on the stage. Josh, Kevin, me, Danny, Jay, Janet, and that was it. And I'm like, what kind of gathering anointing only gathers those that are required to be there? They're like, what? This is, that guy's either a liar, there's something wrong with me. But, but out of that, it birthed a prayer meeting that we've been doing, you know, up until COVID shut everything down, um, that we just did on Sunday nights. And it was for no other reason because the lack isn't on God's end. Right? And it wasn't like an orphan or performance mentality, but God was stirring up a desperation where I had to do something and, and, and it caused us to seek God and to pray. And I'll be honest, that's when we started seeing 20 people, right? I mean, think about it, going 20 doesn't seem like a lot, but when you are used to single digit monthly gatherings with the gathering anointing, you'll praise God for 20. But then we saw, you know, 50, then we saw 100, then we saw last year's conference, then we got this year's conference. And we just see the faithfulness of God played out, but it required a, another step from us, right? So that's what I want to say that we're not talking about performing or striving or earning, but there is effort required because once again, we are co-heirs, we are sons, we are stewards, we are vessels, but the Bible also says we're co-laborers and it's laboring in prayer, right? It's laboring in prayer. So with that, we're going to give it to Josh, and he's going to uh, land this plane for us. And we're just going to uh, go into some exhortation and wrap up from there. So 
All right, if you got your Bibles at home, your car, wherever you're at, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 22, and I'll give you guys a second to find your place in the Word. Once again, it's Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And I'm going to go ahead and read this for us. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, him referring to Jesus. They brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see the death before he had seen Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arm and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for, for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, I remember at the beginning of 2020, there was so much anticipation and hope for this year. People are saying that 2020 is a year of harvest and, and it still is. But personally for me, I, I was out in Sacramento in Jesus Culture School of Leadership with Banning, who you saw in the first activation video. And as I was wrapping up my time there and I was planning to come back home, I was just receiving so many words, confirmations that I'm going to influence and, and, and impact New Jersey when I get back home. And so I just had all this hope and anticipation that everything that I learned there, that I'm going to bring it back and make it to use and just bring change. And so I, I had all my plans set that I'm going to come back, up, apply to a church that I felt God was calling me to, and that I'm going to lead, I'm going to preach, I'm going to heal and see impact as, and change. But as everyone experienced, COVID has changed everything. And with churches shutting down, there's, there's no church right now that is looking to hire a pastor. And so while I thought that I would be doing ministry, I would be preaching, I would be leading people, I would do, be doing healing ministry, Instead, what I'm doing now that I'm back in New Jersey is I'm babysitting my five-month-old niece during the week, changing diapers, feeding the baby. I'm trying to put a teething baby to sleep. And, and it's just totally different from what I expected. And, and, and it's, it got me questioning. It's like, did, did I hear God wrong? Were all those promises and confirmations over my life during that time at Sacramento, were they wrong as well? God, do you care about the promises over my life? And so I started having doubts about these promises. Now, for some of us, you probably, promises have been delayed, like your weddings being postponed or your job promotion that you're supposed to get being delayed. For some of us, we've experienced our promises being disrupted, where you felt like God was calling you to go out into the missions field, but instead you're stuck here in the States. You felt like God was calling you to go to a college and, and just change the campus, but instead you're taking online classes at home. For others of you, promises have been disappointing and discouraging because you've been waiting for things like healing in your body, for family members to be saved. 
for certain promises and breakthroughs to have a child to come into your life, and yet nothing has changed. Well, in Luke 2, we're introduced to Simeon, and we see that he receives this promise from the Lord that he would not see death until he sees Jesus with his own eyes. Now, there's not much about this man named Simeon, but a lot of scholars believe that he was an elderly man and he walked to the temple every day to pray uh, for, regarding this promise to see Jesus with his very own eyes. Now, if we read in the scripture, we eventually know that the promise does come to pass. But think about year after year, walking up the flight of stairs to the temple and just praying and wondering, God, is this the day where I will see the Messiah? Is this the day where I will see Jesus? And coming back down and saying, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And it got me thinking, how does Simeon overcome delay, doubt, and disappointment? What made him wake up every day, believe in the promise that he's going to see baby Jesus walk up the flight of stairs and pray? You know, how did he have faith to persist with the promises that God gave him. Now, I believe that there's three things in Simeon's life that teaches us, three things that we need to have in order to persist over praying for promises in our life. Number one, we need to have faith that God cares. God doesn't just care about developing the promise, but God cares about developing you. Because God knows that if he can develop you, then the natural outflow of your life will be the promise itself. And so I love how in verse 25, the Bible highlights that Simeon was righteous and devout. I mean, isn't that funny that of all things that the Bible can highlight and mention about Simeon, that those two qualities are mentioned. And I believe it's because simply before Simeon had this word or when he received the word for the first time, that he simply just wasn't righteous and devout. But as Simeon believed in the promise, as he persisted in prayer over the promise, he changed. I think we often forget that, you know, we, we easily think that prayer is us having access to God, but we forget that prayer also gives God access to us. That when we spend more time with God, what results is what we begin to see is that we begin to do what God does. We begin to see what God sees. We begin to speak what God sees, speaks. And God's heart begins to rub off on heart, which in turn shapes how we live and how we think. And so persistence changes who we are. Persistence in prayer transforms us. That, that just as God transforms Simeon so he would be able to see Jesus, God is desiring to transform us so that we can steward the promises in our life. And this method of transformation, it's prayer. That when we get into the presence of God, the fear, the anxiety, the pride that gets revealed and exposed, he gives a divine exchange and in place, he gives us courage, he gives us peace, and he gives us humility to steward the promises of our, God, of our, of our lives well. And so perhaps that's why there's a promise in God's promises. Or that, that perhaps that's the reason why promises are so big and so impossible because what God really desires is that we would seek after him in persistence so that he could ultimately change us. Because God isn't interested in just developing the vision or the promise, but God is interested in developing you and in developing me. 
So in regards to the season, I want to propose to you, what if we look at the season differently? What if the season isn't just a season of delay, but what if it's a season of destiny formation? where God is using this time for us to seek after his face, to get into his presence, and where God is inviting us so that ultimately in his presence, we would be transformed to be that all God wants us to be. As a team, we're just praying, and we just really feel like, man, after this quarantine season ends, after this COVID season ends, there's going to be a season of acceleration that the breakthroughs, that the promises, that the prophetic words that we've been holding onto for years, that there's gonna become an acceleration where we're gonna see breakthrough and for some of these promises that we've just been holding onto for years. And I really believe this, that those who will steward their promises in the season of acceleration will be those who have persisted in prayer. We got to persist in prayer. The second thing that we need is this. We need to have faith that God sees. We also see in Luke 22, verse 25, that it describes Simeon as waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, in Greek, that word waiting means to expect. Now, Simeon just didn't expect one and done, and that was it. But that Greek word is actually in the imperfect form, which means that he was continually expecting. That day after day, he raised his expectations again and again regarding the promise, even if he didn't see that promise come to pass that day. And to make matters worse, every year the promise doesn't come to pass, it's another year of the Roman Empire oppressing people. It's another year of religious leaders either becoming more legalistic like the Pharisees or more secular like the Sadducees. It's another year of more and more people turning away from the Lord. Now, if I'm Simeon, I'm I'm starting to question and doubt God. God, don't you see what's happening? Like, God, aren't you aware of everything that's going on? Like, now would be a good time to send the Messiah. Not just so that I can see my promise come to pass, but so that a nation can be saved. But I believe that as Simeon persisted in prayer, he began to slowly see what God sees. Because we have to remember this, that in John chapter 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you my slave as a master, but I call you my friends and I make things known to you. And I believe that as Simeon persisted in prayer, as he was in the secret place, that bit by bit, God began to reveal a little bit more of the details, that God began to give a little bit more of what's actually going on. Because while Simeon saw in part, he realized that God saw the full picture. That's why I love 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. It says this, For now we know in part, for now we see a mirror dimly. That's the ESV. I love the message version. It says this, We only know a portion of the truth. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. We don't know the details of how our promises will come about, but you know who does? God does. You see, we only see in part. We live from a place of seeing only this much of the story. But we have to realize this, that while we see in part, God sees the whole picture. And so that the word he gives us and the timing that he gives us and the prophetic words and declaration that he speaks over to our lives, they're with that in mind, that he sees the whole picture. He knows every single detail. And so just as God wasn't surprised by what was going on in Simeon's day, God isn't shocked. God isn't surprised. God isn't caught off guard by everything happening today. Why? Because God sees the full story. 
And he gave you those prophetic words and promises with the year 2020 and COVID-19 already factored into the equation. I don't know about you, but that gives me so much faith that despite the current circumstances, I'm right where I need to be. Even if it's changing diapers, even if it's a feeding a baby, I'm right where I need to be because when God first gave me the promise of coming back to New Jersey, he already had year 2020 in mind. So some of you might think that your plans and your promises and your prophetic words have been canceled. I want to declare in faith over your life that because God knows the full story, because God knows the detail, it's not over yet. Amen. And our responsibility is to do what's possible and pray, and God will do the impossible and make the prophetic words come to pass. Number three, the last thing that we need is this. We need to have faith that God speaks. Lastly, in Luke chapter 2, the last description that's upon Simeon is this. It was that the Holy Spirit was upon him. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed to him and spoke to him and let him know exactly where to go and when to go so that he would see baby Jesus at the temple with his, with his parents. Now, I believe that as Simeon prayed, as he persisted in, the, in praying over the promise of his life, he learned the voice of God, and he became obedient. He became confident in hearing the voice of the Lord so that when the Holy Spirit spoke, he knew how to be obedient, and Simeon got to where he needed to be. Now, I, I love that the Holy Spirit spoke, and interestingly enough, the Simeon's name in the Bible right here in this passage it means to hear. In this season, I think we need to hear the voice of the Lord. We need to know that God isn't silent, but that God is speaking. We need to hear what he's speaking over our lives because when he speaks, there's confidence and there's clarity into our situation, right? We see it all over the Bible. When Hannah is desperate for a son and she's crying out to God, when the word of the Lord finally came, she was able to leave in peace because there's clarity and confidence. That when the kings of Israel were, were backs against the wall because the enemy was coming in, when the word of the Lord came through the prophet, there was confidence and clarity. Perhaps that's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Because faith is more about hearing and obeying than it is about actually us seeing. And so when we think about the future, you know, we often associate it as moving forward. But did you know that in the Hebrew culture, the past and the future are talked about in completely opposite ways compared to the modern culture? You see, in the Hebrew culture, the past is described as what is in front of you because the events have taken place and you can see with your eyes what God has done. And in the future, the Hebrews talk about it as what lies behind you because the events have yet to take place and you can't see what is going to happen. So imagine over this right now, this is the past over here, and this over here is the future. Imagine it's, the it's like a timeline. And for the Hebrews, they're standing here, and the past is in front of them, and the future is behind them. And in a sense, as they're moving into the future, they're walking into the future backwards, and their eyes are not focused on what is to be, but what has already been. And I think this is what it means to walk by faith, because oftentimes when we think about the future, we're like, I need to see, I need to see what's going on. But when we look into the future, even in this cultural moment, no one knows what's going on. Experts don't know what's going on. Government leaders don't know what's going on. There's just hopelessness, confusion, and despair. 
But when I turn back and I see what's in front of me, and we walk backwards from this place, I'm reminded of all the things that God has done. And I'm reminded of the faithful, ongoing love of God. That there was that time that God provided me a car. That there was that time that God healed me of my ACL. That there was that time that God paid for all my tuition. That there was that time that God sent his one and only son to die for me. That there was that time that he sent his Holy Spirit so that I would never be alone. And when we walk by faith and we see what's in front of us, we can see that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. Amen? He will not change his love and his promises towards us. So I want to encourage you with this. It doesn't matter what lies behind us. It doesn't matter what the future holds. Because when I look into the future, when I look at the past, I'm reminded that Jesus... His promises has never wavered over my life, that there's nothing that can stop our God. And so in this very present moment, I don't need to know what the future looks like. I don't need to know what the future holds. All I need to do is have my eyes on what Jesus has done and know that in this very moment that God is speaking, that God is speaking in this very moment. My faith and seeing promises come to pass isn't in my ability to see what's ahead, but it's in my ability, it's it's in God's ability to speak and guide and direct my life as he's been doing in my life. That the faithfulness of God is undefeated. Lastly, I wanna end with this. While I was just praying for um, just this session and just this message, I just really felt like God was saying this phrase, that the year of 2020 won't end with the period, but it's going to end with the comma. And I was like, God, what does that mean? And I felt like God was saying this. It's like, everyone is looking forward to this chapter of 2020 to, coming to come to an end. That there will just be a period at the very end. We'll, we'll close that chapter. We'll throw that book away. We'll get rid of this whole season. But what I felt like God was saying is that I don't edit seasons, God, Josh. That I don't edit seasons. I'm not going to edit 2020 away, but instead I redeem seasons. And therefore, there's going to be a comma because the story is not over yet. The story is not over yet. 2020 isn't going to be in a footnote. It's not going to be at the end of the book in an appendix, but it's going to be part of the story. We're going to see the goodness, the power, and the faithfulness of God on display like never before. And after that comma, I felt like these two phrases were coming onto the scene. 2020 happened, comma, but then. 2020 happened, comma, and suddenly. And so wherever you're at right now, let's just take this time to just pray over the promises of our lives. I want us to just take this time to just declare promises. I want you guys to speak life to them. For some of you, the promises that you guys have been contending for, you guys have just been putting, you know, it's just been dead in your life. It's just been so long. You haven't seen any breakthrough and you're like, God, man, I'm just going to put that promise to the side. But I believe right now, like Ezekiel called the dry bones to life. I feel like right now God wants us to prophesy over the promises that he's given us and speak life into them. So wherever you're at in the chat room, wherever you're at in your living rooms, in your bedroom, Let's just start thinking about the promises and just start making declarations. Make those prophetic words declarations and just speak them over into your life. So God, I just want to pray right now, God, Lord, that the, that 
that Lord, that the book, the promises that you're given about writing a book, God, Lord, that you're going to see it pass, Lord. You're going to see it pass, God, that the prophetic words about just healing ministry, God, that we're, I'm going to see it pass in this time, God, that 2020 didn't delay, 2020 didn't disrupt, 2020 didn't um, um, put to death all those promises, but Lord, there's going to be a but then. There's going to be and a suddenly. And we're going to see you redeem these promises in our life like never before. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would, bring, um, you would bring a fresh wind over these promises. Renew our minds, God. Give us faith to see like you see. Give us faith to speak what you're speaking over those promises. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love at the end of Luke 2 also, it just says about um, that when Simeon received the promise that he blessed the Lord and he gave thanks. And just as Pastor Sam just shared in our panel, right, that the key to stewarding our promises is learning how to give thanks in the midst of it. And so at this moment, can we just lift up Thanksgiving prayers? And can we give Thanksgiving in advance to God. Thank you, Lord, that that promise will come to pass. Thank you, Lord, that you didn't forget about that word. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to, I'm going to finally see the healing in my body. Thank you, Lord, that the promise of us having a family, that I'll be able to carry a child. Thank you, Lord, in advance for everything that you're going to do and everyone tuning in. Thank you, Lord, that the promises surrounding this region are still up for grabs and is still in your hands, God. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. So Jesus, we thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith, that you who began a good work in us will see it to completion. And so God, that's the truth that's the hope that we're holding on to with our promises, God. Lord, that you who began and gave these words over our lives, that you're going to see it come to pass, God. And so, Lord, we just surrender our promises to you at this time. We prophesy those promises. We speak life into them. That, God, 2020 didn't disrupt, delay, or put to death promises. But, Lord, that there's going to be a but then and and suddenly. And we're going to see the goodness, the power, and the faithfulness of God on display like never before as you redeem this season, God. And so, Lord, increase our faith to know that you care. Increase our faith to know that, to see how you see it, and increase our faith to speak like you speak over our promises. We thank you, we love you, and in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's give it up for Josh in the comments. Put some fire emojis. I don't know what other emojis you want to put, uh, but come on, praise the Lord. I want to encourage everyone that's watching right now and tuning in to the Zoom. Don't just be a spectator, but tune in, engage together. So I want to do this. Everyone right now that's in the Zoom call, write one thing you're thankful for. Right? So in the comments, let's everyone engage. Don't be a spectator. This is so that we can all step into the thing that God is doing in this moment. So come on, let's just give thanks right now in the comments, every single person, one thing you're thankful for. And, I, and man, what a powerful word that was from Josh. I want to say this. It's often said that hindsight is 2020. 
or our vision is 2020. But how about this? God's faithfulness is 2020, right? God's faithfulness is 2020. So thank you so much for tuning into our first session of Pursuit Con Redux. Uh, make sure you.